Good evening, Elements. It is great to be here, and uh, I hope, as Lyle was saying there, that you do have a sense of expectation. You know, we moved communion on you a little bit um, to kind of create some space for a moment that we're moving to. And so if you're new, I met a few of you that are new. We, uh, I'm Jack, I'm one of the pastors here, and, and I'm gonna talk for a little bit, and then just invite us into a couple more uh, songs and the space to reflect on what we're gonna wrestle with and discover tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Hosea. And I know if you don't have your Bible, um, Hosea is hard to find. There's no shame in your game uh, to go to the table of contents and find it because it's, it's kind of hidden in the Old Testament. And so feel free to, to kind of look for that. If you have version, you can find us and kind of follow along with notes and scriptures there. And, but I wanna start with a question. Um, is it easier to start something or to finish it? I heard start. So we kind of maybe universally kind of feel that it's much easier to start. Isn't it more fun to go to Home Depot with the cart and you're, you're going around and, and if you can find anyone in an apron, sometimes they ask you a question of, hey, can we help you? And, and we say no. Um, and we kind of look around and you start filling up the cart, right? Because you have these grand plans of what you're going to do, this home improvement project, this, this project that you've got to do with friends, this something for your apartment complex, whatever it may be. You, you go to build that and then you get home, right? And after you get home and like, it's like hard to bring it in from the car. It's like so much stuff. But you, you finally get up the courage, you bring it all into the house, and then you're there, and maybe on the back porch, you, you're there on your patio, and you're kind of like, wow, that's a lot of work. And so you start to set it up, and then like you plug things in, and you start to cut stuff, and then you're like, wow, it's hot out here. It's like Tucson or something. And so you're like going to get a lemonade, and you're just kind of chilling there, and you realize, wow, the game's on right now. And yeah, I'll just check the score. That's, I'll just check the score, see how it is. And so you turn on the TV, check the score. That's all you're doing. And your couch looks so comfortable over there by itself. And you're like, my couch looks lonely. I think I need to go over there and just say hi. And so you go over and you say hi and you sit down and just say, it's been a long time. And pretty soon you're asleep. And then you wake up and you realize, has anyone else ever had this happen to you? Maybe it's just me. But it's much easier to start something. Maybe you have to start a writing project, right, for school. And you know how that goes. Like, you start. It's awesome. Like, you open up the laptop and, and like, you're like, you got papers and you're like, I could do this. You got your monster and, like, you're going. And, like, the first paragraph goes okay. And then, like, the second one, it's time for that. You're like, wow, I haven't talked to my friend in a long time. Maybe I'll just call him. That'd be like the friendly thing to do, right? I'll just call him, so I'll say hi. That's all. And so you say hi, and then like, you know, I've got other friends. Maybe I should call them too. And so you, you start to dial their number, and you talk to them, and pretty soon it's three hours later, and you're like, wow, I started that paper a week ago, and you've been talking to friends for a week, and the paper's still sitting there not writing itself. Maybe it's easier to start many different things. Would you agree? It's difficult to finish sometimes. And we could give a lot of different examples, but I want you to kind of, I love what the scripture has to say about the characteristics and the heart of God. One of my favorite verses, you can leave your finger there in Hosea, but over in Philippians, you probably know this verse. But what I love about it is it tells us something about God. 
And what I love about God is not only is he able to start things, but like he's this master at being able to finish things. Here's, here's what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He writes these words, this characteristic about who God is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and I am sure, meaning I'm convinced. I've seen it. I've tasted it. I just know this to be true. I've seen it. I'm convinced that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finished. God always finishes what he starts. And, you know, there's great truth in that, and that could be a great bumper sticker that you go, okay, well, that's, that's cool, Jack. You know, that's, that's cool that God's like that. But I want it to be more than just a bumper sticker for you. And I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we go back to the book of Hosea. We've been in this series, and if you missed it the last couple of weeks, oftentimes, you know, series have a way of just kind of being, here's a week, and here's a week, and here's a week, but sometimes they have a way of building on each other, and that's kind of what this series is. And if you don't know much about Hosea, this Old Testament book, it's a prophetic book, written as one of the, the minor prophets, and it's written to the, the, uh, the, the nation of Israel, and it's, it's saying there's some words here for us to see. In fact, it's really radically different than even just words. It's this illustration. Remember, we talked about this dynamic illustration that's kind of lived out, and Hosea's this prophet, and he's told this crazy, uh, like this crazy thing to go do. And God says, I want you to go do this, and I've never asked anyone else to do it before, and I've never asked anyone else after, but I want you to go marry a prostitute. And Hosea's like, what? Okay, God, this is a little weird, a little out there. And, and he says, no, no, I want you to do this because I'm going to use this as an illustration for what my people have done for me. And what we begin to see is that there's a bigger story here than just Hosea and, and his wife is Gomer, which is a bummer name. Let's just be honest. It's, it's a bummer name. And, and maybe you pronounce it French, Gomer. You know, it sounds maybe a little better. Um, but, you know, they're there, and, and, and there's this marriage relationship, and she leaves. And yet, God says to Hosea, you go find her. You pursue her. And this whole series has been about this idea that God is creating this illustration, this real-life picture of his pursuing love of his people his pursuing grace, and looking at this idea that God is committed to us, not just has a contract with us. Remember, we looked at that the first week, that there's a radical difference between a commitment in a relationship and a contract where people are connected in a way. There's radical difference in that, and that God has this commitment to us, and there's this pursuit that he has of us. And we looked at this idea that God pursues us for a relationship. It's for that commitment. It's not just something to, to kind of have a contract or to have some kind of connection one to another, but to have a relationship with us, connected one to another, intertwining lives. God says, I love you like that. It's not just a contract where you hold up your end and, and the reality is you're not, but I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain and it's this, I'm committed to you no matter what. No matter where you go, no matter what pursuits you take, no matter what rebellion you even begin to play out in life, I pursue you. My, my grace will pursue you. It's greater than your rebellion even. That's what we began to look at last week, that God's grace is greater than any of our mess, any of our mistakes, any of our past, any of our ways that we choose to kind of keep God at arm's distance or to run away from him. And so Hosea goes and pursues Gomer and, and brings her back, and, and he commits his love. And not only was this an assignment from God, but he actually falls in love with her. It's like the Bible's pretty woman, in a way. 
this movie that's lived out, and, and in a way, this is to kind of put on display God's pursuing love for you and for me, for his people. And then this illustration kind of takes a turn around chapter four of Hosea. We're not gonna have time to go through the whole rest of the book, but I wanna highlight one particular thing. And in Hosea chapter 11 is where I want us to go tonight. And in Hosea chapter 11, what we pick up is that this illustration has changed now from a husband-wife kind of relationship commitment one to another. It's now changed to this parent and the son kind of relationship. And God's saying, I'm this godly parent, this perfect parent. And, and Israel is my son, and my people are my son or my daughter, and, and I, I want to put on display this relationship. We kind of pick up the scene a little bit where, where God's almost in this flashback moment. You've seen movies where you flashback in a moment. If you're a parent, maybe you have this moment. I have it with my three kids, and sometimes I'll see them kind of playing across the room when they're not fighting with one another. Those are great moments. And, you know, I'll see them kind of hanging out just on the couch or maybe just interacting or playing a game or whatever it may be, and I'll find myself kind of reflecting back on all the little moments that have led up to this one. So I'll see them running, and I'll remember back to, man, I remember when they took their first steps. And I remember those small little tiny hands grabbing onto my one finger. And we would make our way across the room slowly and surely, one step at a time. And if you're a parent or you have nieces and nephews, you you know those moments. And so I have these flashback moments. Maybe you do too. And we find God in the midst of one of these flashback moments. He's saying something to his people and he's wanting us to see it. This is about relationship. It's about this amazing pursuit Here's what he says, verse 1, chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him as a son. This isn't meant to be like just gender specific. It's just this child, parent, child relationship. And and God's saying, I love them like my own. I called my son out of Egypt. Well, anytime you read the word Egypt in the Bible, coming after the, the Exodus book of the Bible, the Exodus story of the people of God being brought out of Egypt, Egypt is always synonymous with what? Slavery, right? They were enslaved. They lived for 400 years in slavery and grew in population, and they cried out to God, God, rescue us. We are stuck here. We are in an, a no-win situation, no way out. And God's kind of having this flashback moment. When Israel was a child, I loved them. I heard them crying, and I called them out. I called them out. I brought them out of what was holding them captive, what was holding them back. I pursued a relationship with them because I wanted them to become something else, to become something more than what they just were. I called them. Then he goes on, verse 2. But the more I called, this relationship goes on and time kind of gets in the way and, and, and kind of dispenses time and, and progresses here. And so the relationship's a little bit further along. And he said to him, but the more I called out to my son, the more I called to him, the further he moved away from me. They were beginning to offer sacrifices to the images of Baal or these false gods of the people of the land that they were in and surrounded by. And their hearts began to wander. God says, I remember when you were my child. I called you out. I called you out of what was holding you captive. And then our relationship grew and I'm committed to you. But the more I called along the way, the more your heart began to wander away from me. 
If you're a parent, you get that. Like you see this. If you're not, then maybe you've seen this with friends. You've seen this where in some ways their, their relationship with their parents became strained to the point that maybe you as the outsider looked in and said, There's, this is good. And yet there's something kind of dysfunction that's happening here and, and they're creating this distance and they're beginning to wander further and further away. God presents himself as this loving father. I, I know my son. I love them. I call to them. And the more I call the less they listen. Can you hear the angst? Can you hear the tension? Can you hear the hurt that's maybe there? You know, um, how many of you struggle to listen? Maybe you didn't hear me. How many of you struggle to listen? I do. I think we, we have a tension with listening at times. We have what we call selective hearing. Um, and, and that kind of comes into play in most of our life. We, we know it in our lives, but we really see it in children, right? We really see it maybe with your nieces and nephews, with your children or uh, grandchildren, so to speak. And, and so it's this notion that you could be in a room with children and you can whisper the word cookie. <laughs> and like neighborhood children will finally show up at your door and they're like, did you say cookie? And it's suddenly everyone's there. You can be there, and as a parent, sometimes you could yell at the top of your lungs, bedtime, and nobody moves. Nothing changes. The TV's still on. Things are still happening. Fighting is still occurring. No one heard that word, even though the decibel level was way higher than cookie. Why? Because sometimes we have selective hearing. We want to hear some things, so we're attuned to that. We don't want to hear other things, and so we kind of tuned that out. And I was thinking of that and found some illustrations, some pictures. And you know, every one of these kids that you're going to see on the screen, um, somebody was yelling, don't. Somebody was yelling, please, please don't. Or told them, don't ever do this. Okay, so let's look at the first one here. I don't know which one this is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, some parent said to that kid, look, I don't care how much Bobby bribes you, don't, don't ever try to put your head through a small hole. It won't go well with you. I mean, next one. <laughs> yeah. You know mom was like, please don't play with markers and your sister at the same time. Please, please don't do that. And to walk in the room and just, can you imagine walking into the room? Let's say your baby's sitting, your house sitting, you're just, I'd just walk out of the room. I would be like... Uh, I'm going to go get your mom. Next one. Hey, Bobby, I need you to go get the peanut butter. Oh, you know, that's just... Look at the joy on his face. I guarantee you there is not a parent alive that would walk into that scene and be like, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> Creamy. Let me get some bread. Um, all right, next one. <laughs> this is my personal favorite. You know there's some mom <laughs> across, <laughs> across going, don't do it! <laughs> don't do it! Selective hearing, it's a pig. I gotta kiss the pig. I gotta do it. And I think we have one more. Yeah. You know this kid was like, his brother probably challenged him. I bet you could crawl through that hole. I bet you can get into that claw machine. 
And suddenly he finds his way in there, and he knows some parents, like, look, I told you like a thousand times, don't ever crawl into a claw machine. Just, I I don't know how many times I got to tell you. And kids have this selective hearing at times. And the reality, friends, is we do too. No matter what your age bracket is, here's what I know about your ears. It's attached to your mind. And sometimes our mind says, I want to have selective hearing. And there's some things I want to hear and some things I don't want to hear. And a lot of times when it comes to our spiritual journeys, and whether you're here for the first time and maybe you're just checking out church and kind of getting back into the whole church scene and just kind of investigating this guy, Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that you can kind of put your roots down and find a place that begins to help you take some next steps and investigate and and feel and sense his attention on you. But there's going to come moments where God says some things to you and to me And he wants us to hear. Why? Because he's a loving father. And every kid wants to hear, Daddy loves me. Every kid wants to hear that. What some kids don't want to hear is, Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to go do these chores. I need this part of you to to kind of change and tweak. We don't like those parts. Why? We love to hear, I love you. But there's sometimes when as a parent, I say, I say some things and I want their character to grow. I want their character to change and mold a little bit. And it's those things sometimes where we kind of put on our selective hearing and go, I don't know. And so I think that kind of plays out in our spiritual journey at times where God says, hey, I've got some of this, some of this part of your mindset and the way that your, your thought process is that's a little askew. And I want to realign that because it'll lead you to a better way of living. And sometimes we say, God, I don't want to hear that part. And God's saying, no, I've known you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I've known you since you were this big. I brought you out of what holds you captive. And sometimes, friends, we end up going back to those things and wandering away to those, those habits or those uh, thought patterns or, or to those activities that, that we all know can get us sideways in life. And, and for a while, we may like it over there. But at times, God's saying, God's saying, guys, I want you over here. Listen, here's a principle. Listen to the God who calls you because he's the God who knows you and loves you. And he could say, I love you as many times, and he does, friends. He pursues you with a relentless kind of love that will never quit and never give up on you. But he has dreams and desires for you because he pursues you to become something more, not just stay where you're at. And he pursues you with that. He says, I have some more things for you. And sometimes we don't want to hear the whispers of God. We want to feel the embrace and the love of God. And that's a great thing and we need more of it. But sometimes it's the whispers of God who says, I want you to come over here. I want you to let go of that thing. Listen to the God who calls you. Is he calling you to forgive and you're reluctant? Is he calling you to let go of some habits or some some patterns of life that you've gotten stuck into and you're reluctant to do it? You're practicing selective hearing and saying, God, I, I don't want to do that. I like where I'm at, even though I know it's not the best for me and I know it's not your desire. But God's saying, look, I have something more for you. Is he calling you to practice the awareness of others? Because he's saying, look, sometimes your mindset, your scope of life is like you 
and no one else. You're like the only one in your bubble. And God says, I have a heart for people. And I want you to have a heart for people. And I want to expand your awareness to that. Is he calling you to get more involved? Maybe to kind of get involved here with elements, to get involved with different things that, that we have in front of us and the adventure that God has us on. Is he calling you to kind of make giving a part of your life and a part of, of saying, hey, I'm on this journey because you know what? You can either own your stuff or your stuff can own you. That's the reality. And so sometimes it's this practice of giving that says, God, I want a generous heart like you have. And I only get that one way. I only get that by giving. And this isn't a pitch for that. This is just simply saying, maybe these are some things that God's beginning to call you forward in. And I could give you a list of 100 other different things. But listen to the God who calls you. I love what Anne Lamont says this. I don't at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Grace is constantly pulling us forward into next steps with God. God's grace is not just whispering, I love you. It is totally doing that. In fact, it's yelling that in a positive way. I love you. You are loved. You are embraced. There is nothing you can do or not do to make me love you any less or any more. But I have more for you. Why? Because God pursues us with a grace that is greater than. He pursues us for a relationship. And friend, he pursues you so that you might become something more than what you are right now. He's constantly wooing you and saying, look, let's take another step together. Jesus constantly talked about that. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. The shepherd, the good shepherd, will go out in front and the sheep will follow. Why? Because that's the pattern. Don't you see that all throughout scripture? Jesus said, don't come watch me. He said, come follow me. The spiritual journey in becoming more and more like Jesus is God's goal. And that only happens as we travel with him, not just know about him. And say, God, I know you pursue me for a relationship, but you pursue me to continually take next steps. Here's, it goes on. In uh, chapter 11, verse 3, he talks about this. He says, not only do I, do I call to you, listen to the God who calls you, he says, it was I who taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't even know or even care that it was I who took care of him. Can you hear it in God's voice? Through the prophet Hosea, he's saying, look, I cared for them. I, I, I had my, my finger and their little hand was reaching up and I led them along and yet they've forgotten me. God's saying, don't forget me. This practice of remembering is an amazing thing. We're called to remember the God who knows you. Listen to the God who calls you. Remember the God who knows you, who has been there from the very beginning. I don't know if you remember your magic lunchbox in elementary school. Do you remember it? Anyone remember what lunchbox they had when they were in elementary school? I want you to picture that lunchbox. Because here's probably what happened unless you were homeschooled and then it was just the refrigerator. Um, but maybe as you got to school and as lunch began to start, you would open up the lunchbox and it's an amazing thing. It would be full of food. And maybe you would stop in a moment. You probably didn't. But maybe as an adult now, you kind of look back and go, how did that happen? I don't remember that. I must have had a magic lunchbox 
Because I remember picking it up in the morning and going, and then I sat down and I opened it up, and it's like, voila. And, like, I do that for my kids now. I pack their lunch, and occasionally I'll, like, make a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and I'll smash it a little bit just because that's how my sandwiches were, and I want them to kind of just remember what it's like because they didn't make it. And I'm making this lunch, and I know they have that moment that they probably don't even know they have as they open it up. They're like, wow, food. And they didn't pack it. It was magic. Or maybe, maybe you remember going into your room and looking at your closet, and you're like, my shirts are hung up. I got a magic closet. That's awesome. Or maybe your clothes were folded on your bed. Or, or, and I remember I would come down. Every, this, my mom was a saint. Um, I remember coming down and breakfast, like a hot breakfast was waiting for me every day of junior high. I don't know how it got there. I soon realized it was actually my mom that got up early and made me breakfast. I didn't realize how fortunate I was until I got older, and then it didn't happen anymore. And I got married, and it didn't happen anymore. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's okay. I'm gonna pay for that one. Um, <laughs> that's all right, we'll eat out on the way home. Um, but sometimes we forget all that God does for us. And here's the challenge, the invitation I want to give you this week. is just actually to stop and take 10 minutes sometime this week and just remember all the ways God has been active in your life up to this point. And just make a bullet list. Just say, God, I've seen your activity. Because friends, sometimes when we lose focus, our hearts tend to wander. And I think throughout the scripture, that's what we begin to see. God, it's God saying, look, I've been there. I've been there. I'm there now. And sometimes we forget and we have a tendency to lose focus. He watched over me and he still watches over me. He protected me. If you're a believer in Jesus, there is no such thing as luck. God's sovereignty watches over you. Sometimes he protects you from yourself. Sometimes he protects you from other things. But God's activity is always there. He provides for you. For some of you, I've talked with you, I've listened to your story, and I know you're staring at a moment where you're going, God, I don't know how you're gonna provide because we're staring at something that is way bigger than us. And I wanna say to you, he has been there in the past, and he has provided. And you know what? His character doesn't change. And he will continue to provide. It may not be the lap of luxury that you want, but he will not forget you. He will continue to provide for you. God is not distracted or distant or disinterested. He's not that kind of parent. He's engaged, he's interested, and he is ever present with you, friend. So practice this idea of remembering. Just take 10 minutes and say, God, I don't want to suffer from spiritual amnesia. And sometimes we do. We get spiritual amnesia where we forget and the problems and the struggles that are staring us right in the face, they cloud out everything that we've ever seen God do and suddenly all we can see is the struggle and we forget how active God has been and listen, how active he still is. 
to the people of Israel. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, he says, look, as you're getting ready to go into this promised land, don't you forget, be watch out, he says. Be careful not to forget what you have seen yourselves. Don't lose focus and let your heart wander. And that's the state of humanity. That's your state. That's mine too. If we don't practice this discipline of remembering, I love what Psalm 103 says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does. Listen, present tense, that he does for me. Not that he did, he did those, but that he still does for me. Don't struggle with spiritual amnesia. God's saying, look, I was there. I helped you walk. Don't forget me. He goes on, verse 4. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. This is kind of a, a, a term of like a farming type image. Can you picture this is like an animal that he's leading along? I, I led with ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke that was heavy on their neck and weighing them down. And I myself stooped with my hand to feed them. God's saying, I've done this for you. Don't forget me. Don't lose sight of me. Depend on the God who leads you. Depend on the God who leads you. One of the most powerful ways that you can continue to grow in your spiritual journey is to come to a place where you continually surrender. And so much of our lives are about we want to lead the way. And we want to go, and listen, there's nothing wrong with you using your skill sets and your abilities and your experience. There's nothing wrong with being a leader. I want to see more leaders. I want to be a great leader. But to be a great leader, you've got to be a great follower first. And God is saying, look, I'm the one that led you out. I'm the one that held your hand. I'm the one that goes in front of you. I'm the one that cares for you now. Don't forget me, please. I pursue you with love because I want to have a relationship with you. I pursue you with a grace that is greater than any rebellion, any mess you could ever make. And I pursue you because I want you to become something more than you are right now. Will you surrender to me leading you? One of the greatest pictures that I know of surrender is the white flag. And now finally, some of you are going, that's why we got that as we came in. We sing a song around here called White Flag. And it's this idea of saying, God, I surrender. The international symbol is to say, I, I surrender. I acknowledge that your power is greater than mine and I want to have conversation. I'm laying down my weapons and I'm coming under your authority. That's what the international symbol of the white flag is. And all throughout the series, here's what we've been building to. This idea that God's love pursues you, friend, with a grace that is greater than. It pursues you to be in relationship with him, and it pursues you that you might become something more. That he has rescued you, and he has dreams and desires for you to become something more of what he created initially for you to be, and for you to be all of that. And you will not get there on your own. That's the reality of what the scriptures begin to portray that we need God to lead us in that. And so this week, here's my challenge to you, is figure out what that means for you. What does it look like for you to say, I'm gonna live in a posture of continual surrender, not couch potato where you do nothing. 
That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is a continual surrendered heart that says, God, it's you first, I'll follow. It's you first. You're the one that found me. You're the one that led me. You're the one who rescues me. You're the one who provides for me. Spiritual growth is not always a straight path, is it? Sometimes spiritual growth has some roundabout ways to it because we have a tendency to wander some ways. And when we lose focus, we wander. And that's what we see in this book of Hosea is the people wandering. It reminds me of, you ever seen in the mall the, the coin return things, the, the charities where you, you put your coin in and it kind of goes around that tube and it kind of goes around and around and around and you see the goal of where it's going into that hole and you have no idea. Ever wonder how much money's down there? I do. I was like, how much money's down there? Um, but the coin, you kind of see it go around and around and around and the truth is that sometimes is like our spiritual journey with God. That it's not always this, this straight path where, okay, God gives me these marching orders, here's A, B, C, I do it. It's sometimes God gives me A, I try it, I don't like it, I quit, I give up on it, and God says, okay, if you don't want A, let's do B, and we'll get back to A. And sometimes he kind of takes us on this path, and if we're willing, it's this idea, what did, what did he say? I led you along with the ropes of love and kindness. I led you. It's coming to this place where you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wave the flag and say, God, I surrender to your leadership. And tonight, I wanna give you space to kind of maybe realign your heart with that. Our worship team's gonna come in a moment and lead us in a couple songs. And um, I know for, for all of us, we may be at a place where oftentimes we, we wanna take the lead. And maybe tonight God's saying to you, Will you surrender again to me, to my leadership? Will you surrender again to, to say, God, it, it, I want you to be out front. You're the one that saw me. You're the one that finds me. Your, your love pursues me despite myself. And so as you enter into a moment, maybe this is just between you and God. And say, God, I want to surrender my life to you again. And just acknowledge that. Maybe you're here. And you've been on a spiritual journey and you've never come to a place where you've said, Jesus, wow, I actually need to know you. See, the Bible says in Romans that those who call on the name of Jesus, who believe that, that he died and rose again, they will be saved. They will enter into a relationship and have this relationship. This whole book of Hosea is talking about this God who pursues us, what? For a relationship. And maybe you're here and you've been around church for a long time. You've been around God for a long time. You know a lot about God, but you've never come to a place in your life where you say, God, I'm, I'm gonna let you have the leadership of my life the best I know how. And I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to do that. And so as we get ready to go into these next couple songs, if that's you tonight, and if you're saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus, that's the very first step. We're a church that believes in inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. And that's about first steps and next steps. And for some of you, it's a next step tonight. And saying, God, I surrender to the next step that you have. You lead the way. For some of you, maybe it's a first step. I'm saying, I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. And maybe tonight's your night. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I just want to invite you to come meet me. I'm a nice guy. I, I just want to pray with you and celebrate with you. And if that's you tonight and you're saying, I want Jesus, 
the best I know how, then I've got a free Bible for you. I would just love to talk with you. And I'm gonna invite you just to meet me in these next couple songs. Right through these curtains is our little cafe, and that's where I'm gonna be. And if that's you, then you slip out, like when I'm praying here in just a minute, or you slip out during these songs, and you come meet me. And I would love to celebrate with you. And for the rest of us, you just pray. Pray for any who might be on that journey, who want to take a first step with Jesus, and pray for yourself. God, I want to be a person that lives in continual surrender to you, that I listen to you when you call me, I remember you, and that I depend on you. Because your love pursues me. And it's this love that fuels you. And so, Father, I pray tonight as we enter into a moment of just reflection, of kind of, in a way, symbolically waving the white flag. Maybe some of us for the very first time. God, maybe there's some friends of ours in this room that tonight they're saying, I want to choose Jesus. I'm tired of living life on my own. The reality is you never have to face a single moment, a single interaction, a single conversation, a single situation or event alone ever again. Because as we surrender our life to you, Jesus, you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And God, for, for us, that we would be a people that live with a surrendered heart to follow you. So again, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I just invite you to meet me in the cafe. For the rest of you, just take a moment and pray and then lean into these songs and just let your heart be revived again as you live and say, God, I continually surrender to you.